0: Everybody, and welcome back to com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. I'm i Birdie. Bye. <laughs> that's the highest, I think that's the highest, like, pitched high I've heard from you in a while.
1: It's the slightly loopy sound of stress from trying to finish an entire semester's of coursework in three weeks.
0: Yeah, that sounds like hell. Yeah. And that's for, like, fucking upper-level coursework. I only experience fucking first-year coursework.
1: Yeah. I'm also disappointed about something that apparently everyone likes, and this is apparently going to be a continuing problem now.
0: Yay. I mean, depending on what it is, maybe content.
1: Well, it is content. It is an anime. Oh, goody. And what was that? Megalobox. (laughs) Because I came to the stunning realization that the thing that Megalobox is the worst at is being a boxing anime. (laughs) Okay. Because the only criticism the diehard fans have had of this show is that, eh, you know, the boxing choreography is kind of lackluster and weak. No, it's, it's a little worse than that. <laughs> like, it's getting to the point where it almost feels like the series has to tell me to be excited when two men are hitting each other. Yeah. Like, for example, they they there was an episode where uh, Joe's trainer had trained a previous boxer who was now Joe's opponent, and they made this whole big deal out of, oh, Joe, if you fight him, you could potentially die. And nothing in the fight between them, which lasted half an episode, would lead me to believe he was seriously injured. Because, like, the, the Foley work on the punches makes everything sound limp. And even, like, knockout punches, it just sounds like a slight biff across the face. It's to the point where, in the next episode, when they show he has, like, extensive injuries all over his body from this fight, I'm like, how did you get those? <laughs> Because like in my mind, I was like, okay, those look like injuries from the fight, but I watched that fight, and you did not get that injured during that fight. So, do you beat yourself up after fights? Is that where it's going?
0: No, nah, his trainer just like finds every place he got hit, and then just throws an orange at it.
1: Yeah, gotta bruise you up, boy. Gotta look better for the cameras. Yeah. So like, the thing about Megalobox is that aside from its its style and its tone and its soundtrack. Its story falls back on every single sports drama cliche. Like not sports series cliche, because it actually the one thing that the thing about I haven't watched Austin Joe, so I don't know if that was a problem there too, but the one thing that uh boxer really seems to not care about is boxing.
0: Yeah, kinda. Like even Even fucking like real steel cared a bit about bit more about boxing than this thing does. Yeah,
1: to the point where like they have all these colorful characters, but no interesting boxing moves. Like, I was actually genuinely surprised when someone used a body blow. I was like, oh, so, you know, that, that one of the first moves Epo learned when he was just starting to box, that's considered incredibly useful for dealing with fast boxers because it slows them the fuck down. You're only just now using that halfway through the series.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, thinking back on it, pretty much every fight had just been a fucking slugfest going only for guards and heads.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a it's like it's like two people playing a boxing game, and they're all just mashing the basic attack button or the guard button.
0: No, it's like nothing. actually Rock'em Sock'em Robots.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Just everybody's just fucking one two one two one two until the head pops up, and then they win.
1: Yeah, to the to the point where people were genuinely surprised that in the most recent episode, the the main rival Yuri won by a uppercut. Right hook combo, because... Oh my god.
0: He didn't just punch him in the face. My god, Yuri has fucking revolutionized megaloboxing, but not just throwing straights.
1: Yeah, and so... Because the boxing is so boring, which... That's a big enough problem in and of itself, that the main sport that you're building your series around is boring. Uh, at that point, megalobox has to rely on its drama.
0: <laughs> yeah... Like, I don't know how many episodes you've watched. Um, I finished... The last episode I watched was actually the fight against the former trainer's former student.
1: Yeah. So that's... That's a dumb level. Like, they somehow managed to make a war vet coming back with suicidal tendencies seem cliched and ridiculous. Because he's like, oh, I'm
0: over it now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair... fiction portrayal... Yeah, the, f- the fictitious portrayal of, four, of wounded soldiers coming back with PTSD and suicidal tendencies. That is kind of a cliche at this point.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Everything in this is cliches because the fight after that is against um, the brother of the head of the company that runs Meg- Megalobox. And is he a mustache-twirling villain? Uh, Close. He's a spoiled rich brat who relies on tech rather than boxing sense. Oh, good. And Another and one. And he tries... And he tries to, uh, he he delays the fight, well, he, he tries to stop the fight, but it ends up in the terms of the plot, just delaying the fight for two episodes by having, was saying he knows what you are, that you came into the city illegally, what would happen if that came out? And basically just, Joe walks away from the fight for two episodes until they get back and he beats him in one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So what did he just like threaten to box him really good if he released? Really... I'm assuming that information was still like there when he came back, right?
1: No, he just pulled a stunt where uh, when the brother was about to be named the fourth member of the Megalo- Megalonian ch- Championship, he pulled a "It's not over" like wrestling thing where <laughs> he just showed up at the at the test and said, "I challenge you."
0: Just a gong rings, light goes out, and he just appears in a plume of smoke, the Undertaker.
1: Almost, and the sister and the sister who's the one who runs the the sister of the other guy who runs this company kind of just goes along with it because she doesn't want him in the tournament for really kind of stupid reasons. So he's poor. No, no, no. no. She doesn't want her brother in the tournament.
0: Oh, because her brother's a bitch and she knows it. Yeah. Great.
1: She also doesn't. She also doesn't want the poor one in the tournament, but that's a different story. A different stupid boxing cliche.
0: That's like, oh, he's going to get my ring dirty. Yeah, look at him! Doesn't even use robot parts. How can you consider that boxing? Ugh.
1: Yeah. And uh, apparently, the tournament between the four best boxers in the world is going to go really damn quickly because the rival won his fight in two minutes, and there's only one other fight left before the main tournament. And I get the feeling this is supposed to wrap up in just twelve episodes. And I'm like, really? Yeah, you spend a thousand bucks on a
0: ticket to go into an arena for thirty minutes a day f- for a week.
1: That's gonna be really lame. And they're and they're doing all the other dumb cliches that are like the liar revealed, where it's revealed that uh, the mobster who had all who had all the debt for the trainer only allowed them to go to megalobox on the condition that if he managed to get to the actual tournament himself he would throw the fight immediately just to make a whole bunch of money and <laughs> joe is just so like how could this happen to me i've made my mistakes
0: oh my god how could my trainer who is known for getting me who is known for telling me to throw matches tell me to throw a match you mean that boxer yes. lied you mean that gangster lied to me the horror yeah
1: and they're just piling on the cliches at this point. Like the brat that hangs out with them is the son of the man who invented the rivals boxing gear, and he his father was murdered for it. And he wants revenge on the company that he wants is why he wants Joe to win in the tournament. I'm like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> like the, ser- the i don't get how people are just like okay with all the this cuz like the series is so cliched it's so formulaic and it's so predictable at this point that all of their drama just kind of drags things out and it's getting really annoying like Cora who wrote the the episode prom- the episode reviews for the first few episodes just dropped the series after the episode he last reviewed
0: <laughs> wow okay yeah that's that's rough <laughs> Which is real unfortunate. The series had a really, really strong start.
1: Yeah, no, it had a really strong start built on its style of grit and soundtrack and aesthetic appeal, but never built anything. It just kind of relied on what it had and then built the rest on a a house of cards made of cliches and stupid melodrama.
0: Yeah, so two things. One, I I kind of ironically just earlier today started rereading to try to catch up with Hajimeno Epo.
1: Well, that's going to take you a
0: while. Only 1200 chapters to go.
1: <laughs> so you're still back in the 80s technically speaking.
0: Yeah, it's I got fucking faggot jokes.
1: Yep. Yep, some of the jokes in this series in Hajimeno Epo are really homophobic. Very awkward, really homophobic and awkward now
0: yeah and maybe kind of
1: racist sometimes not as much as they could be, i suppose, but it is Japan in the late eighties yeah
0: it's <laughs> it, it's less it's less like just kinda it's less the aggressive racism like an ice twenty one
1: yeah not not and and mature, more just like and more
0: just like a benign racism of the nineteen forties,
1: yeah oh, and you haven't gotten to uh When when he has to fight, like, Russians and Canadians and Americans.
0: So it just turns turns into Mike Tyson's punch-out?
1: No, no, it's just that he starts, at some point after he runs out of Japanese opponents, he starts fighting world opponents, and a lot of them are kind of stereotypes.
0: Yeah, that's punch-out, dude.
1: (laughs) Ah, okay. I wasn't sure that's what you were going for. I thought you meant he was going to start biting people's ears off.
0: No, I meant the video game punch-out. That was was originally called Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, where Little Mac, a very small boxer and rookie boxer, takes on stereotypes from around the world, punching them all to fuck and then becoming the world champion. Yeah. But there was never a point where he retired because he had too much brain damage.
1: Yeah. Again, still one of the more surprising turns a series has taken, in my
0: opinion. (laughs) Yeah, totally, dude. That's normal when the series, like, stops. Like, like, oh, you have too much fucking brain damage, so you have to stop boxing. That seems like the end of a boxing series. Yeah. Like, it got cancelled, so he had to fucking rewrite the last five chapters.
1: Yeah, well, I've heard nothing to say that it's cancelled, and there's been chapters since he announced his retirement, so...
0: No, it's still going. Um, I'm assuming he's, like, a boxing coach now?
1: Uh, not currently. I think currently he's just working and kind of helping out with, uh... The other boxers at the gym.
0: So he's a trainer and everything, but name.
1: Basically, yes.
0: And then he's gonna find his own EPO. That kid, that kid's gonna punch even harder, and his dick's gonna be even bigger. Because that was the that was one of the weirdest early jokes in EPO. Just everybody's hanging out. You just see the fucking top of Takamura's dick or whatever, and then. They rip off his towel, and it's like, oh yeah, his dick's massive.
1: Yeah. And there's a uncomfortable amount of dick jokes in the thing.
0: Yeah, it's really juvenile.
1: Yeah. And it gets weirder when, like, one of the crueler and more violent of Ippo's rivals also happens to be the older brother of the girl he's in love with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that fucker who shouldn't have been given <laughs> a pro license.
1: No, like, and he's and he's actually uh, for his for later in the series for his weight class, he's the Pacific champion.
0: <laughs> like seriously, like his his fucking during his protest, he knocked a dude down onto the ground and kept beating the fuck out of him. Punched the referee out of the way and kept going, only stopping when the bell rang. And then they're like, "Yeah, okay, he's a professional boxer now."
1: Yeah, and that guy's not even the most cruel opponent Ivo ever faces.
0: <laughs> oh, God. So I feel, yeah, like and, is, I feel like the series is going to end with fucking, like, him pulling an Apollo Creed and just dying in the ring. Yeah. It's like, Probably. yeah, I took him down. Adrian. Oh, fuck, there was my brain.
1: Well, actually, that's what that's what happened in the original Ash to know Joe, is that he at the end of the match he at the end of the match at the end of the series he just died sitting down in his corner of the ring
0: <laughs> Oh, wow yeah another thing and talking about megalobox like this i kind of want to go back and watch real steel
1: yeah well real steel I, oh, that's the other thing Considering that the whole hook of this show originally was that all these cyborg enhancements means that boxing is much more deadly, brutal, and violent, they sure can't show it, apparently.
0: Nope, it all just kind of looks like regular boxing.
1: Yeah, like, no broken bones, as far as I can tell, no excessive bleeding, like, even, Nobody's- like, blows to the face, like, and if you read enough, um, Epo, you know, like, blows to the face get, like, cut the, like, blow below above the eyes or in the cheeks area, and there's no cutting of any kind, so... Yeah, it's it, weird that this looks this good, but it can't make its boxing the least bit exciting.
0: Yeah, like you'd you'd think like regular fucking boxing, you get it's brutal clipped, enough already. You, you get clipped right by the edge of a pinky. You are down. In this, they're being punched square on in the face, the unguarded face, with robotic enhanced arms, and it does nothing.
1: Yeah. Even to the guy who's not wearing supposed guards.
0: Yeah, his fucking shit punches like fucking Joe's hits unroboticized. They hit with as much force and have as much of an effect as the robot punches do. Yeah. Which, Which if, if it had been established that he had like some fucking like freight train of a right punch he, but he, that's never established. It's just he has no. good fighting like, sense of these there, fundamentals. Like, there's
1: a like there's and before the the second fight that you didn't see they established that he develops the ability to throw a strong right hand straight punch but that's about it really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a punch gooder.
1: Yeah, I I really liked the series when it started and it's just it's increasing it's not it's it's not an it's not it doesn't make me angry the way like Devilman Crybaby did. Because it's not really offensive in its stupidity, it's just kind of lazy.
0: But, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm more than a little bit disappointed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's <sighs> anything else you got?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I promised it last time I could finally do the whole... Do you want to do all the other stuff before I do my Full Metal Panic spiel? Because that's going to take a while. Yeah. Okay. So, you go. Oh, okay then. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. Like, if, I take, if that takes a while, would you prefer to do all your stuff first, or should I just go now?
0: Oh, I thought you meant, like, you would get your other stuff out of the way, then do me- Full Metal Panic.
1: But oh, no, all not have anything. Yeah, just, I I've got a, I can save up some other stuff for afterwards.
0: All right, then. I also then. don't so,
1: have anything that interesting, so go ahead.
0: So, Goblin Slayer, brand new day.
1: Right. I did read this. Uh, I forgot about those characters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, kind of.
1: Like I did uh, when, when, when I fr- started reading that and they started talking about these people, It's was like, who are these people and why do we care? And then I was like, Oh, right. They did show up that one time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remembered a bit more quickly because I reread Goblin Slayer in its entirety every time a new chapter comes out because I'm like that. Sure. So, That's who you are. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of like so kind like looked at it. I was like, wait, they're familiar. Are they those fuckers? And then I got to the end. Oh, yeah, they were. Okay. But yeah, so Goblin Slayer Brand New Day is a... Side story. Yeah, it's a side story for Goblin Slayer. Um, based on what I read online, it's mostly um, an adaptation of the fourth volume of the light novel.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I haven't looked at the light novels. I know yeah, they exist and they're published, and they've been published in the states. But I'd rather just read the manga. Or-
0: yeah, exactly, because the manga yeah. is fucking awesome. But anyway, so from what I've read online, volume four is largely side stories of other people in the Goblin Slayer world. Who have interacted with Goblin Slayer at some point. Uh, in this case, uh, chapter one of the manga is focusing on those two kids. who, Those two fucking young adventurers who were like, hey, priestess lady. Join us, please, for love of God. That guy's going to use you to kill goblins and it's fucked. And the sorceress comes over and is like, check out my tits. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just about them Learning the adventures. think
1: every time that, w- that sorceress shows up, she's like, hey, check out my tits.
0: Yeah, that's, big, like, that's well, basically every the, line of dialogue she has is just breasts.
1: And even women are like, oh,
0: oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, fucking priestess, the most. A 15 year old girl looks at it as like, oh, dip.
1: Yeah. But as of the most recent uh, Gobble slayer chapter, not a virginal 15 year old girl. No, she is. Did you not read the most recent chapter? Yeah, I did. They didn't. Oh, so they didn't. They didn't fuck. They just yeah. They slept just slept naked, next
0: to each other, naked. <laughs> yeah. Remember, she had a giant wound, She had a giant chunk ripped out of her shoulder, and he was almost dead. Kind of hard to fuck. I suppose. Also, they didn't show any fucking blood stain on the bed, which that's a thing, probably. Probably. And also, like, she woke up first thing she did when she saw Goblin Slayer was, Oh fuck, did you see me naked? Which if they had fucked. Yeah, I don't know. Similar I, 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 reaction, I, I, but it wouldn't be but it wouldn't be a oh god you saw me naked. It would be an oh god, I am a mess and still kinda like I was. Yeah. Yeah, the thing requ- the, the. I also feel like I also feel like a guy writing a story like this would be like, yeah. So, okay, now nah, actually I take that back immediately. He would totally write a story where where a virgin required healing ritual would involve fucking. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so yeah. Um, early early on in the chapters when Priestess first started going with Goblin Slayer, these two kids showed up and were like, "Yo, fuck that dude!" And she was like, "Nah, man, she's cool." And then. Sorcerers came along, and tits. And then the, and the chapter one is about those two kids becoming adventurers and learning, oh, we're fucking dumbasses.
1: Yeah, it's like, we are a level one party and not even a well-built level one party.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are a level one party of two with a fighter and a healer. And a fighter who can't really fight for shit because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It's like, yeah. I'm going to stab him. Oh, wait, my sword.
1: Fuck. Like, I was talking about this chapter with Caveman, he was, and he was asking me whether or not the problems of a inexperienced ne- level one D&D party were believable or not. And I said, I thought they were, but he, he, was, he had to listen to examples first.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's... It's kind of interesting. Um I actually read a thing online where somebody was one of the things they really praised about the series was the fact that the differences between like a level 1 party and like a level fucking 20 party or whatever is just a matter of experience. Like in terms of fighting capabilities, they're there's they're different, but there's not like a huge gap in power. Sure. It's just a matter of like battle experience and handling yourself in a situation. Like that first level one party going out and fucking doing the goblins in chapter one. Like, yeah, they were all probably like solid fucking casters and fighters and whatever. They just got fucking overwhelmed and didn't know how to handle themselves.
1: Yeah, made the amateur mistakes like getting caught with the trap or
0: having a too long good. sword.
1: Yeah, or in the case of our idiot party here, getting their sword stuck in a cockroach.
0: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, then over the course of the chapter, they learn. They actually talk to Goblin Slayer and ask for advice, and he gives it. And then, yeah, they grow as people and become a better party. And that seems to be the that seems to be the track going forward. Just gonna be like an anthology series of people in the world just kind of doing whatevs. Yeah, which is really weird because that was not really established when I read the announcement this was happening, so it was like, hey, Goblin no, Slayer's coming No, I had no idea up. what
1: this was. Yeah, it was like, hey, like, go- When it said side story, I thought it was just like, okay, so this is like not the main plot, but it's still about Goblin Slayer. It's yeah, because so-
0: all the promotional that they released for it was just Goblin Slayer and his party. Yeah. Not really uh, like, hey, Goblin Slayer and his party are there, but they're like in the background, and then everybody else is up front because they are the actual characters in this story. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's fun. I like it. I will probably keep reading it, um, at least for a couple more chapters, because side characters in Goblin Slayer have, they've been fun, but they haven't exactly gotten a lot of development, mainly because we've been very focused on fucking the, party. the dude.
1: Yeah, the dude, his party, and a couple of his bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Which we already have a side story prequel to explain, to build up some of his bitches, <laughs> technically speaking.
0: Oh uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, we do. The year one plot's actually more compelling than I thought it would be so far. Yeah,
0: it's like it's I'm really digging it. Yeah. And I'm also really digging his master and how we're getting more of him in any like even yeah, in the main I, story. Yeah, he he's the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> yes, it's like, all right, you need fucking guts luck and intelligence. Well, luck. fuck you, you're a fucking piece of shit intelligence, Pfft, dumbass. Let me throw fucking eggs at your face covered in rocks Will you solve riddles.
1: Yeah, and the term that he used for what it is, he, it is an actual monster in D&D, but it's not it's definitely not what this what is shown when you look up the term on, D, on T&D wiki.
0: Yeah, he's uh, a rea. He's called,
1: yeah, Raya. And a D&D, Raya is basically an emu. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's because what they are. That's because that's what they are in real life.
1: Yeah, but that's in D and D wiki, and it's in, in, it's entered into it. But yeah, yeah so I actually, think
0: Rhea might be their term for like half elves or something. Because we see another one that's because de- we see another guy who was described as a Rhea. He looks nothing like the dude, but he look he looks close to an elf. Yeah. He was the scout that got the night of promotion.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me see if I can find the term. I'm Apparently, there is a TV Tropes page for Goblin Slayer. Oh, awesome. Uh, d-
0: d- I have how the same prestigious media horse does.
1: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Rhea is just kind of a derogatory term for like... Um, for, like, thief or Rogue-type characters.
0: Oh, okay. That but makes
1: yeah. sense, actually.
0: But yeah, that dude's awesome. Goblin Slayer is... Fucking great. I love it. It's kind of becoming one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. I hope they don't fuck up the anime.
0: <laughs> yeah, here, yeah. here's fucking hoping. I mean, it is White Fox, so they. it's probably going to be pretty alright, but the chance is always there.
1: Yeah. So but let's we'll say this is, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, you, I can tell what you're going.
1: Uh, I'm just uh. White Fox can screw up if the story, if they, the way they adapt the story doesn't work. Because like in terms of other stuff, White Fox has adapted. They've adapted uh the other like science comma series other than Steins Gate, and the yeah. only good one of those is Steins Gate. <laughs> Yeah, which Steins Gate Zero had an episode to just to say, fuck you to people who like being happy, where because of time travel, because of other people like, fucking with time travel, Okabe accidentally goes back to the Alpha time- beta- alpha World line just long enough to talk to uh, Kurisu again, at which point she tells him, hey, you need to go back to the beta timeline because that's where you're happy with, uh, ma- with uh, what's her name? Mayuri? Uh, Mayuri. And so his, the last thing he sees of her before he goes back to the beta timeline is her saying, I love you.
0: Isn't that just Steins Gate Zero as a whole? Isn't that entire thing? She's <laughs> just like, hey, do you like being happy? We'll get fucked.
1: Yeah, just about. Since Welcome the to most beta, bitch. Th- the episode after that is just, hey, uh, World War Three is imminent, so we got to pick up the pace.
0: <laughs> yeah, this had to go beyond 1% divergent from being happy. Yeah. It's now just all, wait, wait. so it's now all just a fucking conversing on just horrible sadness.
1: But yeah, okay, uh, David. I forgot there is one thing I want to talk about before I do Full Metal Panic. But go through your list; I can build up to it, or unless you think actually it might be a showstopper. Shit, fuck, I have to. Do we, it we'll back get for there. Full Metal Panic. Okay, yeah.
0: So our Satan doesn't bite.
1: I've never heard of this.
0: Not surprising. <laughs> Uh, This is a gag manga where it's set in a world where instead of having regular pets, people's pets are supernatural creatures and monsters of legend.
1: Okay. Um, There was an anime like this either early this year or late last year that I told you about. Because uh, there was that thing where I said it was called Taking Care of a Mummy.
0: Right, yeah, that. But with this, it's a bit different, because it is people. It's like regular human people taking care of monsters that look like regular human people in cosplay. So it's like a regular Japanese kid walking down the street with a leash. That leash leading to a 30-year-old man with horns and devil armor. And that's his pet. His pet doesn't talk. None of the pets talk. They all just kinda are. Like, like they, they will act like, you know, whatever they do. Um, they have their own like demon transformations and shit to get super powerful and whatever. But then they have like weird gag moments where like Satan is eating somebody's food and somebody's like, Satan, what do you have in your mouth? And he starts eating faster. I was like, Satan, get over here, you little shit. I try to like pry Satan's mouth open to pull out fucking his food. And that seems to be the main joke of the series. It's just, hey, isn't it crazy that people treat these other people like pets and they're all just like, yeah, okay. And it gets really weird too, like fucking one guy, one character that we have in this. He has a zombie pet who is in love with Satan. So every time she sees Satan, he just fucking jumps on him, starts making out with him, and also just starts biting because she's a zombie. Uh, in this world, there are turf wars where certain districts of the city are just like, wall, or just like you know, cordoned off. Not cordoned off, like marked off as like, hey, this is this guy's territory. This is this guy's territory. And then there are the four devas and then the head boss of the fucking thing. And Satan is the leader of the territory or whatever. So essentially, they just have an annual dogfight. Whereas everybody's pets try to kill Satan. Because, yeah, if your pet dies, then it goes back to your pet carrier and then comes back comes back out a couple days later. It's really weird. I imagine. And I would have kept – I would have probably kept reading it for like a few more chapters. Except we got to some weird territory – So usually with these gag series, what'll happen is I will just keep, I'll just keep reading it for a while. And then I will eventually get bored of the same jokes over and over again with no real progression in character or plot. And so I just stop with this. I reached a hard stop because there is a storyline in here about a like five-year-old girl who tried to seduce, like actually straight up seduce a 35-year-old man who says he's a woman. What? Yeah. So the owner of that zombie, uh, he says, "Like, hey, I'm like he 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 refers to himself as Mama when talking to that girl. When talking to the zombie, um, he refers to himself in a like casual conversation as like as like a maiden or some other kind of woman stuff. And our main character's little sister, who is like fucking five or whatever, she's super into him. So one night when he's staying over, uh, she." sneaks into his room wearing a negligee and makeup and sits on the bed trying to seduce him okay so then he's like no um, no you fucking weird creature a I'm a girl and b get fucked you're a child and the chapter ends with her saying I'm gonna get that dude's dick yet and that was a that was a line that was a bridge too far for me
1: yeah, I can see why it would be.
0: Just fuck, just, fuck me, fuck. It was so fuck, and it was such a fucking swerve from what it's been up till now. Like the dog fighting thing, that's basically Pokemon. It's just, it's just, hey, we got these fucking big monsters. They're having a big old fucking brouhaha. There are magic portals and runes and shit, and Satan's just fucking dudes up, and nothing technically dies because they just go back to their fucking carriers. And everything else was just like everything else was just regular fucking jokes that I wouldn't expect, that I wouldn't really. They felt like BLs level jokes and gag stuff, just that, just uh, with, just yeah. with less fighting and less plot. Funnily enough, but then that happened, and it was played for the same level of jokes as everything else in the series. But it so wasn't because of this because of the specific context of what was happening And so I'm never reading that series again just nope yeah okay I can believe it So moving on uh, let's talk about Pygmalion
1: uh, I've never heard of the anime version of this. I just know a lot of classic European stories with this title.
0: Yes, they reference one of those stories in this. Uh, The King of Cyprus. Okay. Yeah, so. This world, main character. Um, I'm actually going to look up his name because I don't want to just say his name scares me for every one of these fucking things to talk about. And luckily, the description of the series lists the character's names. Which is great for me. Yeah, so um Kego. Uh kid named Kego, uh he is living with his mom and younger brother. Younger brother's name is Makoto. And they have childhood friend Ako. Uh the three of them so so well Kego and Makoto they're living with their mom and the dad had walked out in massive debt and Kego is just trying to be the bestest fucking brother and kid he can. And one day a national cities mascot festival happens where just in the center of the city, like mascots from a bunch of different cities are just coming over and they're all gonna be hanging. I was like, oh, hi kids. Let's fucking do games or whatever, you know, just, just typical street festival stuff. So they all head out there with Makoto heading out in a custom made mascot costume that his brother made him. Cause the brother can sew really good. Uh, as they're down there, I'll just hang it out. Uh, a weird broadcast comes over the comes over the loudspeakers, and all the mascots all the mascots start killing and eating people. Because it's one of those kind of series.
1: Well, you're reading it. I assumed it would be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just getting fucked, and we're only two chapters in. For the sorry, a chapter in for the English translation. For the, what is that Spanish translation? Uh, there are nineteen chapters, and that finishes the series.
1: Like canceled or completes?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish.
1: What's the word? Final. Yeah, that's la- that's just allowed it for last. So it could be canceled, or it could be the la- just the completed chapter. You'd have to walk, read it to be certain.
0: Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, so all the fucking mascots are just turning into horrible monsters. Um, The people inside, who the fuck knows? Uh, and over time, the mascots begin like growing more and more monster-like. Like at first, it's just, hey, I'm this fucking mascot. I'm this weird fucking cartoon dog or whatever. Then I put, then I fucking punch your head off. Boop. But then you have another guy who grows like human teeth. Or like at least human shaped teeth in his giant weird monster mouth, that starts screaming horrible obscenities. And Makoto gets separated from his little brother, because you know, of course, he does. And his brother, meanwhile, gets murdered by one of these mascots, but doesn't die because last because last page of the chapter is him his little brother's dead body, regenerating like the mascots do when they get shot. Implying that because he was wearing the mascot costume, he became one of these things in whatever happened that made them what they are. Okay. (laughs) I like this. I like the art style. Like the art style is able to get a, is able to get a lot of like emotion out of these characters. Um, I like Keigo and Makoto. I like, like, I like their dynamic. I like the relationship they have there. Um, Keigo as a main character, yeah, he is kind of bland, but the added backstory with like his family and stuff, and the, like I said, the relationship with his brother, it adds something more than just the standard stuff of one of these characters. Like, he's not just some fucking faceless, nameless scrub whose family is dead or whatever. He doesn't have some weird tragic backstory. He doesn't have. He has something of a personality, which is a lot more than I usually get out of protagonists for these things. That isn't just like that isn't just like stoicism brought on by horrible traumatic trauma. That was a bad sentence. But yeah, you, you get what I'm meaning with this.
1: Vaguely, yeah.
0: Yeah, and Makoto himself is fun. Like, he, he seems like a like he's a good, decently written kid. Just a lot of fun with him. Uh, Akko is not in the story long enough to really leave an impact. But she is just kind of childhood friend, so take your fucking pick of the trope there. And, yeah, that's... The series isn't all right one of the series I usually read. That's all I can really say about it. Just kind of. Art's good. The writing is above average. So, yeah. Pygmalion. I guess check it out if you speak Spanish. Uh, moving on from there. Another series like this. Um, Shibuya Goldfish.
1: This what? is weird. I I would assume it would have to be with that title.
0: It's weird in a lot of ways. So, with Shibuya Goldfish, one day Shibuya is invaded by an army of flying goldfish. Okay. And then a giant fish bowl begins forming around Shibuya, keeping people stuck inside it. Sure. And the goldfish come in a variety of sizes. uh, From bigger than normal to holy fuck bigger than normal. They also live in... They can also be born inside of people. Sure. Leading to weird body horror stuff as per usual. Yep. Our main guy... Uh, Tsuki Yoda, he is part of a film club. He's like, "Hey, I like film and stuff. Yeah, film, yeah. So he's in Shibuya when all this goes down. Meets up with a classmate of his, and the classmate's like, "Oh yeah, I like fucking fi- I like fucking film too, bro." Then the goldfish attack, and they all and they start running away. And she reveals, "Oh wait, I'm a character in this, so obviously I'm horrible." Then dies, being eaten by goldfish. He survives. Find survivors. Uh, gets to an escape chopper after figuring out, hey, the fish don't like fire. You know, like fish wouldn't. Because, because these aren't just monsters. They are, they are fucking giant flying goldfish that work the exact same as goldfish. And I'm sorry if you keep hearing horrible rumbling. There is apparently a motorcycle derby happening outside my window. Or or just a bunch of assholes destroyed their mufflers to specifically pissed off people who live on the street. Eh, who knows. It could be either. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes, gets the escape chopper, and goes to leave. But then, whoops, a buddy of his that he made while they were fucking escaping got just stuck there. So he jumped back down to save her. Then it cut to a different character. Because this is an anthology series. focusing on different people all who all of whom are stuck in Shibuya during the goldfish apocalypse The next people who moved on to was some fucking lady and her little brother stuck in Shibuya and ending up being teamed up with the weasel a magic homeless man And when I say magic I mean karate magic cuz she sure. Cause he is the bane of fucking yakuza. Cause this homeless child, cause I'm pretty sure he's like fucking 17, keeps beating the shit out of all the yakuza. But he's also sure. crazy. Will she be safe with hi- Will she be safe with him, or does she? Be, or does she have a better chance of risking her life with the goldfish? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> the main reason I got Brinos was because it's about fucking goldfish.
1: Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> the story is wrote and done. The characters are the same as we've seen forever. In these kind of stories, it's just the threat is goldfish. Like, really well-drawn goldfish, but it's still goldfish. And
1: their ultimate enemy is the trees from The Happening. <laughs>
0: Yeah, don't, don't bother with Shibuya Goldfish, unless you are really curious or bored. So, moving on. Uh, combatants will be dispatched. I saw this mentioned.
1: I didn't read it.
0: So, this is a new series from the guy who made Konosuba.
1: Ah, okay. Is it a
0: comedy series? Yes. Okay. It's also an Isekai series.
1: Uh, I remember reading the description, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. So,
0: Yeah, so, combatant number six, a foot soldier for an evil organization bent on world domination, uh, is sent to a fantasy world by his employers, along with a robot girl named Alice, uh, to try to figure out, uh, in order to like establish themselves in that world, build a base of operations... Learn more about the natural resources and eventually take that bitch over. Our guy is... Our main guy is like the guy from Konosuba, just competent.
1: Where's the fun in that?
0: Uh, because everyone shits on him.
1: Ah, okay, so it's the inverse situation.
0: Yeah, like when they first show up, uh, the robot girl is like, hey... I came with this guy. He's a bit mentally challenged. He's like, what the fuck, bitch? And then and they see, and the the person they're talking to looks at him, he's like, yeah, I get that. He was sent over there for an, he was sent over there through an experimental test method that they actually hadn't tested at all. It's was like, wait, so you've tested this, right? Like with people? And the scientist is like, shut up, get in there. And yeah, it, Plays like Konosuba. Same style of humor, same art style. I don't like this as much as Konosuba. Mainly because I've already seen Konosuba and this is kind of more of the same. And also I like the premise of Konosuba better than... I like the premise of regular, regular shit guy brings over a shitty goddess and both of them just be shitty together. I like that more than competent people go over and they all just kind of shit on one guy. Konosuba's jokes were... Konosuba's jokes were a bit more deconstructive of the actual like genre itself and honestly funnier. With this, I didn't really get a whole lot. This, this didn't have me laughing like Konosuba did. I wasn't enjoying it like it was Konosuba. It was just... I was looking at, essentially, a Konosuba knockoff from the guy who made Konosuba.
1: Ah, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, so it's it's not so much a knockoff as it is the writer trying to make lightning strike twice.
0: Kinda. Yeah, he does... He. To be fair, he did do a decent amount to try to, like, differentiate things. Okay. In terms of, like, character setup, the world itself, but... It's still the same guy writing the same style of jokes.
1: Yeah, and I'm assuming based on your description that these characters despite the change in situation just aren't as funny as the ones in Konosuba. Yeah. I might check this out for myself just for comparison, but that
0: that Yeah, is d- kind definitely of go point. ahead. Like it's not bad at all. It's just not Konosuba, but reminds you so much of Konosuba it needs to Yeah. It well, needed to be better. To-
1: to be fair, with few exceptions, Konosuba might be the best parody of fantasy tropes in anime ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> anyway, then moving on to last thing from our, from people we talked about in here. Uh, Orient, the new series from the guy what made Magi Labyrinth of Magic. Okay. I we didn't too- know that
1: series ever wrapped up.
0: Yeah, but- it did. It wrapped up a few years ago.
1: Okay, I need to get caught up on Monkey and see how it ended.
0: Yeah, so with the with Orient, um, it's two chapters in and I'm already kind of confused.
1: That doesn't surprise me because did you read or watch Magi?
0: Uh I read the first 200 or so chapters of the manga.
1: Okay, yeah, so you would also be aware that I don't know what this writer's problem is, but he does not know how to start a story.
0: No, th- this starts pretty well, I think.
1: Okay, so it's not confusing?
0: No, it's just things in the second chapter seem to contradict things in the first chapter. Okay. Yeah, so in this world, there are Oni. And it is up to the Bushi to go fight the Oni. We got two leads, uh, two kids who grew up together, uh, training with swords and stuff. Um, both of them saying, hey... One day we're going to become Bushi. And it's going to be fucking dope. I'm going to see if I can actually look up their names now. Uh, Musashi is our main guy. And then um, we got another guy whose name does escape me. Oh, Kojiro. Yeah, Musashi and Kojiro are our two leads. Uh, Both of them... Yeah, both of them spent a bunch of their time as kids uh, training, sword fighting and stuff. And they were like, yeah, well, they were going to be bushi. We're going to go fight fucking the demons and shit. It's going to be dope. Cut to like 10 to 15 years later, um, the Oni have taken over the world and are now worshipped as gods. And the bushy are shat on. And they're just like, you fucking bushy, you weird fucking assholes going to fight gods, you fucking dumbasses. Uh, Musashi is very much like, I'm gonna be a Bushi, fuck all you. Uh, Kojiro is. He became a Sasuke.
1: Crawl- uh-huh, so
0: we're back in Justice League territory.
1: Crawling in my skin.
0: <laughs> Not quite there yet. Yeah. But yeah, uh, every, yeah um, Musashi is being trained as a miner to mine metal to feed to the Oni. Because Oni eat metal.
1: Sure, like Paul Gasari.
0: Yeah. Have I shown you that before? Uh, I don't think so.
1: Do you know what it is? Nah. It's North Korea's attempt to make a Godzilla director make a Godzilla movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, North Korea. You're terrible. Anyway, with Orient, uh, yeah, so... Listen, Masashi is trained to be a miner. He has this big fucking scythe thing. Because, you know, you use scythes to mine.
1: Sure. Just like you use a hammer to cut steak.
0: Exactly. Uh, Kojiro just kind of hanging out, being what Was Like, yeah, I gave him my dad's dream. Like, being being a bushi. is fucking stupid. Everybody thinks I'm lying anyway. Fucking dumbasses. And Kojiro, Masashi just is really pissed at him. Then they head out into the world and see that, oh, yeah, the oni are terrible. But all of his but all their friends are like, the fucking Oni are awesome gods. Look at these chain gangs we're gonna be a part of now. This is great. So Masashi goes and kills one of the Oni. Then Kojiro shows up with a motorcycle covered in diamonds. And is like, hey bro, let's go fucking be Bushi. Yeah.
1: This sounds And really then uh, fucking
0: angel from Evangelion shows up in the sky, I guess. Cut to the second chapter where we see uh, Kojiro younger than he looked in the first chapter where the world is already ruled by Oni and people are already making fun of him for being the son of a bushi.
1: This is really weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah. When I read Magi, like, going into it, there was a lot there, but I at least kind of understood what the plot was going forward and understood like character. I understood like basic character stuff of the world that they were in all other shit. I base, I had a base understanding of that with this. I am already confused because I don't know when in the world the Oni took over and I don't know when in the world, I don't, yeah, I don't know when in the world, like the Oni showed up when the bushy showed up or when the fucking roles flipped. Because based on that first chapter, it seemed like it happened over the course of 10 years, whereas in the second chapter, it seemed like it had always been that way, and these two were just weirdos.
1: <laughs> I would have to look for myself to judge for myself, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, art is... Did you like the art and Magi?
1: Um, It was okay.
0: Same thing over here, dude. It's just, it is, kind of like the other series, it is just uh, kind of a lesser Magi. Which is kind of sad, like, Magi was fine. It wasn't anything like, super spectacular or anything.
1: No, it was a perfectly middle-of-the-road shonen fantasy series. Yeah, and it had enough even, of its own identity that it didn't feel kind of like fairy tale, which just kept repeating itself.
0: Yeah, and this feels like it was trying to go for the same kind of thing, of just this mid-tier fantasy that was enough its own thing that it didn't really step on anybody's toes. And on a base level, it does that well enough, except for the fact that it kind of reminds me of Magi just in again art style and tone of writing sure. like, like like going from one mid-tier fantasy to a second different mid-tier fantasy you need to fucking split that up you need to have like a fucking sci-fi or like a sport series in there to like soften the blow so it's yeah. not so it's not just oh i read your fantasy series now i'm reading your other fantasy series this isn't as good as your first fantasy series
1: yeah pull, pull do the thing the guy from death note did make a mir- series about making manga
0: yeah Or do what the guy from fucking that one sword thing do. Have your series be so irrelevant that you can do a second sports series that is also wholly irrelevant and no one will question it because, fuck.
1: No one cares.
0: (laughs) Yeah, oh god, Noah's notes is really fucking weird.
1: You mentioned, I haven't read it yet.
0: Yeah, I read the first chapter and stopped.
1: Yeah, you told me that.
0: Just a lot of... I'm on a bad streak right now of, of reading two manga from from dudes who I have varying degrees of liked and seeing them both kind of be ripoffs of himself.
1: That's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. And it kind of... I'm starting to wonder, like, why I didn't have that problem with a robot cross laser beam. Um... Probably
1: because while the only thing about Robot Cross Laser Beam that mo- that really reminds me of Croco's um, no Croco's ba- Basketball is the main character, because they have very similar just dis- just dis- no not um, portrayals because they both have uh, different physical distinctive characteristics, but they have the same personality. Kind of outlook and personality. Yeah, but they're not the same thing. The nature of the story is not the same. I was originally kind of thrown when they did the thing where he, they just jumped past high school to him being a pro, but it's kind yeah. of working so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is, but now they're getting into the thing where everybody has magic golf powers instead of magic basketball powers.
1: <sighs> yeah, which was, as we know from Crocodile is actually kind of what he does okay, as long as he doesn't dip into stupid, unrealistically ridiculous melodrama.
0: Yeah. They're not going to be golfing which... in space.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or or like the people are going to start having like actual scythes for golf clubs. It,
0: yeah. You just, you just get to like the Masters tournament and it's just it's just like fucking Garo there but he just has a broom.
1: Yeah. And there's a, there's an obvious Scotsman who is just like has like a giant hammer that he uses to <laughs> golf. Yeah. <laughs> Turns into full Kim Possible the the balls are grenades.
0: Yeah. Dorian Green just kicks them. <laughs> And he somehow manages to get a 400-yard drive out of that. Ugh.
1: They start doing the joke from the Robin Williams routine where they go like,
0: oh. <laughs>
1: <sighs> Robin Williams must have made a joke about it. It's like, hey, what if soccer announcers did golf?
0: There was an episode of iZombie recently where a a lady was killed with a golf ball cannon. Just a gun specifically designed to shoot golf balls.
1: Oh, creator of Veronica Mars, you can be really wacky sometimes.
0: Yeah, and at the same time, they're doing a fucking sub... They're doing the fucking B-Story that's basically this underground zombie railroad. (laughs) Uh... It is so goddamn weird, and I think the season finale like ended with Liv sentenced to be executed for capital punishment for like capital crimes against Zombietopia <laughs> because they designed a because they specifically designed a zombie guillotine. <laughs> and when I say designed, yeah. I mean like a regular guillotine and replaced the blade with an anvil. And I don't mean I don't mean just like I mean like a literal like smithing anvil.
1: Yeah, I assume that's what you meant. <laughs> and they did all this behind a curtain with cartoon sound effects or something.
0: <laughs> no, it was actually a public execution.
1: <laughs> no, I meant the creation of the guillotine.
0: <laughs> no, I honestly want. I i honestly, honestly think like like fucking the main guy just had like a paperweight. I was just like, huh. What if I put that on that thing and just had to, like, put it into a picture like Marie Antoinette or something? Because he seems like the guy who would have paintings of people being decapitated.
1: Yeah, kind of like that guy from Spawn who just had portraits of explosions and a a garden full of spiders on his desk. Martin Sheen? Yeah.
0: Jamie Foxx is going to be the new Spawn.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it could be better than the last time he played a comic book character.
0: (laughs) Goes against the Violator and just starts playing, I don't know, some song from The Tick? No, The Pest, sorry, not The Tick, The Pest.
1: I almost don't want to think about how they're going to try to do the Violator in the new movie, because they're definitely not going to do what they did with Leguizamo. But if you did just straight the Violator in like live action or like you made him CG, I don't think it would be quite as interesting.
0: Probably going to try to make him hot. Ugh. Just like court the Juggalos.
1: Anyway, so anything else about this? Uh, no. Alright.
0: Yeah, Orient's just kind of confusing and boring. Okay. And that's all I got. So,
1: so I do want to do Full Metal Panic. But I forgot that I had a very special treat for you tonight, dead man.
0: Oh boy, I'm farting myself in fucking excitement.
1: If you want, we can just skip Full Metal Panic for another day and I can talk about one other random thing and then get to the special surprise, or I can do just Full Metal Panic.
0: Um, let's save Panic.
1: Okay, so one more random off thing I forgot about, Troll Trap. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, uh, this is a Korean series about a pharmaceutical company in in North, South Korea that hunts trolls. Naturally, yeah, it start. The series starts off with um, a uh, sophomore high school girl uh, saying, "That's not my brother," to her parents, and then calling her crazy. At which point we over the course of the net, after a few pages of her beginning to doubt herself, she then sees her brother eat her dog.
0: Huh. For some reason, I am on the, um, I'm on webtoons right now and it's stuck in the Indonesian webtoons. Ah. And won't let me go to American webtoons.
1: I don't know why. Uh, but anyway, the process of her trying to figure out what's going on, some random guy, uh, tells her to look up changelings on the internet and then to give her his her home address. So she says, "No, weirdo, I'm not giving you anything," but she still looks up what changelings are. She's like, "That's crazy. Why would some why would some troll come and replace my brother at which point a troll rips out of her brother's skin and starts <laughs> trying to eat her." You know. Yeah. And then said guy shows up and you know does it? Who so happens to be a troll hunter and does his thing, which is particularly funny because he's a swordsman and all of his special attacks are named after uh, potato cuts. Yeah, sure. Because he spent most of his life, when he's not in prison, shaving and cutting potatoes.
0: Again, yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Turns out the reason that the girl I mentioned before noticed that this wasn't her brother is that she has innate ability to sense trolls. So, said troll hunter's like, hey, you can do this with me. You can help me do this. And she's like, uh, no, weirdo. But, unfortunately, her parents are kind of (laughs) shit. Because, uh, it turns... After the fight, after uh, the main character has a fight with the troll in her apartment, her apartment burns down and the fire spreads and burns down several other apartments, so her, her family is dealt with a crippling amount of debt, to the point where the only thing they can afford to do uh, on her father's salary is live in a tent in the park.
0: What the fuck does her dad do?
1: I don't know, they never go into it as far as I can tell so far.
0: Because, like, even, unless the housing market in fucking, wherever this is set, I'm going to assume Korea? Yeah, it's in Seoul. Okay, yeah, unless the housing market in Seoul is so ridiculous, they could at least afford a hotel for a couple days.
1: Yeah, well, the impression I'm getting from, uh, the way this is handled, and what the main character, the, the girl I mentioned before is the main character, Sis so herself, is, uh, yeah, her father kind of sucks at being, you know, a responsible parent. All he knows how to do is love me as his daughter. And
0: yeah, yeah, like, before I move on from the, there, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that the, that the random girl who is able to sense the main antagonist of the series is the main character? I never would have guessed person who could see death.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and she, of course, doesn't really want to do this because it's dangerous until... She kind of accidentally discovers another troll, which leads the troll hunter, whose name—and I'm not making this up—is Warm. Warm. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: he's homeless, uh, right?
1: Um, no, he's half troll.
0: Oh yeah, because trolls are stupid. <laughs> if he was homeless, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like that's a bumfight name.
1: No, uh, he was raised by the Troll Hunter organization, who found him when they killed a Fire Giant Troll that was menacing the city several years ago.
0: So did the Fire Giant fuck a lady? Apparently. Or did the Fire Giant get fucked by a person?
1: I don't know, but when they found, when they killed the fire uh, the Fire Giant might have been female. I don't know because when they killed the Fire Giant Troll, they find the baby amongst the literal ashes.
0: Yeah, because unless unless trolls have reversed um, mating rituals or like do some yeah, weird so like, I guess budding thing, the
1: fire, I guess the fire giant was a male and fucked some that uh, was female and fucked someone,
0: and then took the baby and put it in himself. In herself. I, I assume, don't know. I'm Maybe. I'm going to assume that the fire giant, given that it's a fire giant. I'm going to assume that only a guy would be dumb enough to fuck it. <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> they haven't gone into that much of the backstory yet. That's all I've gotten so far. There's a whole bunch of other characters, and like most stories about this, where you're supposed to root for the half-troll hunter who's lived basically in prison most of his life until very recently, uh, most of the hunters are assholes.
0: No, with the really? the
1: exception of, like the woman who's raised him, who is basically uh, Ed and Al's master from Full Metal Alchemist.
0: I never would have thought an organization meant to hunt and murder things would be shitty to a guy who's half one of those things, Bull Exorcist.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, of course, his partner, the the fire, the troll hunter, the half-troll troll troll hunter I've mentioned, uh, whose power is based in fire, his partner's power is water and ice. And much like Sasuke, he has a brother complex. Unfortunately, except in this case, the brother complex is a little bit more easy to understand because the main troll hunter partner is the bastard son of the family of the head of the troll hunting organization. So he's just treated by like shit.
0: Is this just, is this fucking, this sounds like more, this sounds more like trope trap.
1: (laughs) There is a lot of tropiness. You know, the main reason I'm sticking with it so far is I kind of like the troll designs. Like they recently had a fight where they fought. They were fight, they discovered a troll and the main, the troll hunter cut off its head and he thought, well, that usually wins a fight until he discovered that he was fighting a twin head troll and that the other head was happy that they removed the first head because now it has full control of the body.
0: Was the other head his butt?
1: No. It's in his uh, chest area. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, yeah, there's plenty of cool designs for... I mean, they're limited by, like, they're trying to go more for a troll thing, but they at least do interesting things with the troll aesthetic. Yeah. the art's pretty good for a Webtoons thing. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's fine.
0: All right, then. (sighs) All right. So... Let me just limber Batman up here. Batman Ninja. What was that? Batman
1: Ninja.
0: Oh, right. Batman Ninja.
1: From the writers of Kill la Kill. <laughs> and the director of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And with the full production blessing of Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers Studios. Comes a complete clusterfuck. (laughs) (sighs) So this is going to be one of those things where I can just tell you what's wrong with it, or I can recount the plot.
0: Um, hmm.
1: Because... For CG, it's more for a mostly C, for a mostly CG anime. It's actually much more interesting because they you they kind of blend it with a watercolor aesthetic, so that it doesn't just look shiny. All the things have more interesting dimensions to them. And there's this weird scene in the middle where they switch back to two D animation, and it's like uh, watercolor scrolls.
0: Okay, so before we get too deep into that. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read the first paragraph of the plot synopsis from Wikipedia.
1: Oh, that's the most normal stuff, but go on.
0: While battling Gorilla Grodd at Arkham Asylum, Batman is caught in Grodd's quake engine time displacement machine. Sure. Yes. And sent to feudal Japan. There, he is chased by a samurai working for the Joker. Somehow. Yes. During his during his escape, Batman meets up with Catwoman, who reveals everyone else arrived two years earlier due to Batman being the outermost affected by the quake engine. He learns from her yes. that all of Gotham City's top criminals have become feudal lords after deceiving the, Senge- uh, the Sengoku daimyo, battling each other on- until only one state remains. In order to stop the villains from changing history, Batman and Catwoman must get to the quake engine in Arkham Castle, formerly Asylum. Batman discovers Alfred Pennyworth is also the person that's built the Batcave outside Edo. Yeah. My first question is, why is it called a quake engine?
1: I have no idea. Particularly yeah, like, given, like, aside I- from the okay, just Deadman, the fact that it's a time machine is only a plot device. The thing is, a plot is the biggest MacGuffin ever because. While it serves as a time machine thing to get people to the past for this plot, um, it only serves as a time machine at the beginning and end of the movie. Throughout the rest of the movie, the only thing the Quake engine does is allow for the creation of giant robots.
0: Also, why was Batman fighting Gorilla Grodd?
1: Because Gorilla Grodd was building a time machine to send himself to and Arkham Asylum to the past so that he could rule the world with monkeys and super
0: criminals. Why not take Iron Heights? You know, the Flash Prison. Because
1: people in Japan don't know what Iron Heights is.
0: Do they know what Gorilla Grot is?
1: Apparently. Trust me, Dead Man, that's. The fact that they know what Gorilla Grodd is is not the weirdest thing for this coming from an actual DC fan. Trust me. Okay,
0: let's continue then. I feel like I should fucking flush my system.
1: Okay, well, should I just go through the plot as is from the point that Batman is now in ancient Japan and the Joker is the Daimyo most likely, to is now one of the feudal wards most likely to unite all of Japan during the Warring States period.
0: Yeah, sure, fuck it.
1: Yeah. So, um, Alfred brought the Batmobile back to the past. You and know. So Batman tries to use it to assault the castle until the Joker turn- pushes a button and turns his castle Into a giant robot that gets up, moves, kicks Batman's uh, plane or uh, his Batmobile, crushes it in its hand, and then at one point it turns into a giant robot around, like the bat armor thing.
0: Why? Because. Okay, how? Because.
1: And then, and then the bat armor gets taken out by the Joker's most loyal henchman, aside from Harley Quinn, sumo wrestler Bane. Sure. So Batman then retreats with the help of a random flock of bats and Nightwing.
0: Wait a minute. So, sumo wrestler Bane is he still built like a luchador?
1: No, he's built like he, he's even dressed like a sumo wrestler.
0: Still the lucha mask, or is it just face paint now?
1: Still has the lucha mask, yeah. Okay. So it's at this point that Batman is introduced to um, the ancient ninja clan of the Bat, who had foretold through history that their god, a Batman, as it were, would, would descend from the stars and lead them to glory.
0: And that man is Kirk Langstrom. No. Oh. When you have a literal man-bat, why would you then choose the guy who dresses nothing like a bat?
1: Because this ancient clan of bat ninjas also has a ancient Batman ninja mask to give him
0: ah, as Christ. their leader. Does the bat ninja mask give him ninja powers, or does he already, or does he use his regular pre-existing ninja powers?
1: He does get bat ninja powers later in the in the the at the end of the movie. He basically turns into a character from Naruto.
0: Oh, Christ.
1: That's not the dumbest thing. Ever.
0: Oh, good. Because,
1: <laughs> you see, uh, it was not Gorilla Grodd's intention to return, to go to the Warring States period. He wanted to go somewhere else, but Batman's interference screwed up the time displacement. But Where did he want to go? Uh, it sounds like ancient Africa.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, that actually makes sense, yeah.
1: But, uh, so, when the time travel displacement ended, uh, the Quake engine was split into five pieces, which are now held by the lords, which they used to turn their war castles into giant robots.
0: I feel like I should say this, my brain has now kind of switched the association with Quake engine to just be the engine used to build the original Quake.
1: <laughs> Makes about as much sense as I suppose. Batman Ninja, made by Unity.
0: No, nah, man, it's Software.
1: <laughs> so, GorillaDraud asks Batman to help him defeat the other super criminals that he brought back to the past. And get their portions of the Quake engine so that he can repair it and use it for time travel again. Because right now it's just good for giant robots.
0: I think it was Id Tech 2 that Quake Engine was built on.
1: Yeah. So eventually this ends with a fight on a steamboat with cannons against an army of ninja underwater. Because sure.
0: Yeah, fuck, fuck it, fuck.
1: Yeah. And the Joker and Harley Quinn are defeated. Uh, of course, it turns out that uh, Grodd was just playing possum until he could get a chunk of the Quake Engine. So that he could use his, uh, that he could power his uh, mind control booster and control all of the super criminals. Because sure. Yep. Uh, The Joker seemingly dies, but doesn't really.
0: Of course he fucking does, he's the goddamn Joker. No one, no one has the balls to actually kill the Joker.
1: Except Arkham City.
0: Even that, not really, because he also because he comes back in fucking Arkham Knight as a goddamn ghost.
1: Yeah, so you don't mean kill him, you just mean get rid of him completely.
0: Yes, just hey, the story with Joker is done. He was fun for a while, but after after like a fucking certain point, he's tiring. He is a he is an old joke.
1: Ha. Huh. Yeah. So with Batman's. Defeat at the hands of Grodd and the loss of most of his Tekken gadgets. gadgets, they go through a training montage of Batman rediscovering, oh, wait, I'm a ninja.
0: Do you really need time to rediscover that? Isn't he always a ninja?
1: Yeah, actually. He apparently needs that. So uh, this is where we get to meet the rest of the Bat family we haven't met yet. We had previously met Catwoman in uh, her own like Kunoichi outfit previously. Naturally. Uh, we met Nightwing, uh, Red Robin... Uh, and Damian Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the biggest what-the-fuck for people who are fans of comics, of the comics, because in this, Damian Wayne is like Rock Lee from Naruto with a monkey friend who is, like, his trusted spy and companion. (sighs) Ah!
0: Well, I mean, Damien does have a way with animals.
1: Because <laughs> he's just like, he's super perky and upbeat, and he's always keen for the mission, and he's like, we're going to do this, Batman.
0: What is his hair?
1: I don't know. It's it's like trying to do the spiky anime thing while also doing the, uh, the samurai uh, head bun
0: thing. Yeah, like, I'm looking at a picture of it, and it is a tuft of hair on the front of the head, two tufts of hair on either side of his head, and one fucking tied into a knot on the back, the rest all shaved.
1: Yeah. Oh, and that doesn't even mention the part where, uh, when Bruce is pretending to be a traveling monk in his disguise, um, he puts a bat-shaped tattoo on his, for- on his shaved head.
0: You know, disguise. Yeah. <laughs> If they're looking for Batman, they'll never, they'll never suspect me, the man with a bat on his head.
1: Yeah. And of course, Red Hood is also here, dressed as a traveling monk with a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. I guess it's a, I guess it's a hood, but it looks like he, uh, like a wooden jar with holes in it over his head.
0: Looks like a villain from Afro Samurai.
1: Yeah. With flintlock pistols.
0: Yeah, he's, he's justice, but with one of the head things of one of the fucking robots of fucking afro fights. I think. Yeah. The Red Hood has but, never worn a hood.
1: Nope. Always a helmet of some variety.
0: Yep. <laughs> Just, does he know what a hood is?
1: Do the writers know what a hood is? Like, uh, what's his name, um... I know the guy who wrote the original Red Hood. What is his name? Uh, Judd Winnick. Does Judd Winnick know what a hood is? Because I don't think he does.
0: does Lu- did Sarah Lewis- did Schwartz know what a hood was when they <laughs> drew the original fucking introduction of the Red Hood?
1: Yeah. But anyway... Because um, yeah, this back is then the it one... was just a
0: fucking... Just like a pill. Just half a pill capsule.
1: Yeah. All right. So, if you're annoyed with how over over um, exposed the Joker is, dead man. This next part will really annoy you because oh, good. Um, for about five or ten minutes, it switches from uh, cell shaded CG anime to two D traditional water watercolors for a random sequence where the Joker and Harley Quinn are poor farmers who don't remember being the Joker and Harley Quinn, and Red Hood is just beating the shit out of them, and he's about to kill them when Batman says, No, don't.
0: What? (laughs) Like, Batman saying, Don't kill the guy who should have died multiple times over now. That makes sense to me. Yeah. It's, like, the rest... What?
1: Uh, So here's the explanation um you're not going to like it <laughs> to uh trick to uh, like this scene ends with batman um looking into joker's eyes and saying and seeing he's true he's not deceiving me he truly does not remember who he was and like 5 seconds after batman and red hood leaves joker paints a face of uh, the makeup on and turns back into the joker
0: yeah batman very trusting individual
1: yeah well, uh, yeah, he is a trusting individual, and the explanation for why that's not stupid is even more stupid, because the Joker's like, "Haha, the only way I could trick you is to trick myself. So I self-hypnotized myself into not remembering I was the Joker.
0: God, it's like Metal Gear. <laughs> I think that's actually the plan of Shalashaska. <laughs> Fucking fucking i need to work against the patriots so i got to hypnotize myself into believing i'm part of the patriots <laughs> 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 that that straight up is what Revolver rosslot did yeah yeah <laughs> okay no just no i feel like is this bad this sounds bad
1: Are you just talking about this scene in particular, or the or the movie as a whole?
0: This, uh, like, I, um, unless the rest of the movie is like the fucking greatest thing ever made, this sounds like a bad movie.
1: Let me finish the rest of because the, the rest of the movie just goes insane, and I'll let you decide if it's good or bad. Insane. So, Gorilla Grodd's goal was to fight the other, uh, to get the rest of, of course, let's, to get the rest of the uh, warlords together and mind control them so that he could combine their war castle giant robots into a Megazord giant robot. Yeah. At which point, the Joker comes back and using uh, self grown Joker gas bombs knocks out uh, Gorilla Grodd and takes control of the whole thing, at which point he adds his own robot to the top of this thing, which mimics the creation of Gurren Lagon. Hmm. And the way... And so, having... and so Gorilla Grodd is tossed out of the robot by Joker and saved by Batman, at which point Gorilla Grodd gives Batman a way to fight the Joker in he gives him a magic flute to control a giant army of armored monkeys. Yeah, this is bad. And then the giant, the armored monkeys combine together to form a giant CG monkey <sighs> that fights the giant robot. Just. And when it conti- and when the fight's not going well for the monkey, a swarm of bats shows up And merges with the monkey to form a giant Batman.
0: Just stop, please. (laughs) I.
1: (laughs) We need to stop. As the fight goes, as the fight continues, and and the robot is defeated, Joker challenges Batman to a sword fight atop the giant robot.
0: Are you daring me to just press this button and just fuck this whole thing up? You <laughs> can fucking do that. I will do that. Joker,
1: when the Joker is losing, uh, Batman reveals his his Naruto ninja powers and wins the fight. <sighs> With all of this defeated, the ninja clan says, thank you, Batman. Now everything will be back to normal in our timeline that you've hilariously fucked up.
0: Yeah, like the past, the past, the past, fuck the past, the past can eat my ass. (laughs) It's basically just like, hey, you killed all the things that were causing problems while still causing terrible amounts of problems and fucking up the timeline in just horrible, horrible ways. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Let's go.
1: And we end on an image of Bruce in a carriage made that's made to look like a uh, 12th century feudal J- Japanese warlord's carriage.
0: Oh, that's cultural appropriation. Well, sure. Fucking I white mean, everything people about white around. <laughs> Japanese people's culture is not your fucking car. The end. I am surprised somebody hasn't done some kind of fucking think piece, 2000 word essay about why Batman is racist because he does martial arts. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, Batman is a white savior.
0: Well, yeah, but he's saying he's more white people than non-white people.
1: Well, what I meant was like, he's like kind of the problem they have with um, Iron Fist these days is that the white guy is better at doing the Asian thing than the actual Asians. That's what I meant by white savior. That's what Batman yeah, I, I
0: know. About, I know what I white savior means.
1: Okay. I wasn't sure.
0: But like the majority of Batman stories are, I need to save my predominantly white city from white people. Yeah. No. Every once in a while, there is the, I need to save the fucking mystic ninja clan or other stuff. Yeah, but those stories are the minority, ironically enough.
1: Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention the last thing we see Damian Wayne do in the movie is look to his his monkey friend and say, "I'm gonna miss you."
0: <laughs> yeah, you Damian. So one, much to me. Yeah, Damian. <laughs> no, the character, the character most known for emotional goodbyes. Yeah. As opposed to saying goodbye to Titus or fucking the or fucking Bat Cow, just just yep, and then walks away.
1: So that was the end.
0: Oh god, this sounds this sounds terrible. <laughs> it broke Caveman. <laughs> this isn't the usual things, just thing you bring up to break me. It isn't. No. I don't think so, at least. like, (laughs) I think because I had the primer of, I know what comic books are.
1: (laughs) Oh, so I sucker punched you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just kind of... It's seeing somebody who doesn't fully understand these comics, but likes the designs, try to make their own fan art. That somehow turned into a movie.
1: Yep. That seems like a pretty accurate summation. I mean, there's no structure to the movie. That's the the point Nick Caveman and I kept coming back to as we watched it. It's like, it just goes from scene to scene to the point where, as kind of brief and truncated as my description of a movie that's about an hour and 40 minutes is, it's not that far off plot-wise.
0: <laughs> just a lot of, and then
1: yeah like i said and then sumo bane and then bat ninja clan and then giant robots and then megazord
0: <sighs> you know feudal japan known for their giant robots
1: yeah or i should or you should say you know um creator of jojo's bizarre adventure known for its sanity
0: Well, to be fair, the director of this was a producer on JoJo.
1: Yeah. So a guy who looked at JoJo and said, yeah, this is normal.
0: No, it was more a guy who looked at JoJo and said, I can sell this.
1: Yeah. Written by the guy who did Kill a Kill.
0: Yeah, that that was, yeah. (laughs) So again, he looked at it and went, yeah, I can sell this.
1: So yeah, that was Batman Ninja. It's a
0: clusterfuck. Sounds like it. And what better note to go out on? Yeah, because we're going on that, because there is no news. Yes. Woo! <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week. We'll be back. More of this at some point. Yes. We're almost done. Fuck, like my first girlfriend's a gal. Woo! <laughs> Fucking soon. (laughs) Till then, though, I'm dead. And I'm Birdie,
1: and I must go down a dark, dangerous path from here on, audience. Goodbye.
0: Yeah, it's the dark and dangerous path of collegiate studies. Anyway, bye.